Hi, I'm Natasha. I'm the mum of Hazel and she was born March 26th, 2021. Hello and welcome to the podcast that shares the remarkable stories of the families who had babies during the middle of a global pandemic. I'm Philippa Giu and after my own baby was born in July 2020, I've been documenting the stories of the lockdown babies. Natasha, thank you so much for coming on. I can't believe that Hazel was born in March 2021, but you're still featuring on this podcast because you were still affected by the restrictions a whole year later than the first group of mums, families, women who, oh, I just honestly cannot believe that. When you said it, it just kind of hit me that this is a whole year after this all started. We thought that life would be back to normal by then, but of course it wasn't. What do you remember about that March and that the period running up to that March? Well, even from the beginning of my pregnancy, we were kind of out of lockdown for a little bit. So we found out I was pregnant in September and we were like, oh, OK, lockdown's over. We're not going to have a lockdown baby. And I got to take Simon to the first scan, who's my husband, but I had to do all of my appointments alone. And then he wasn't allowed to come to the 20 week scan. And because she was considered a high risk pregnancy, just because I was a high risk pregnancy when I was born, I had a lot more scans, which I had to do completely alone. And I guess for me, I was like, okay, it's just kind of the the way it's going to be. But when it comes to the actual labor, everything will be over. It'll be fine. He can come, we can do everything as a family. And Then in January, we went back into that big lockdown. And at that point, I was just turned nine months pregnant and thought, okay, this is what, 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 what is it going to be like now? When is, when are we going to come out of this second lockdown? Am I going to have to go to the hospital alone? Am I going to have to have her alone? And Simon is, was actually working back and forth from the UK and Italy. And because of the flights, every time he came back, he had to quarantine for two weeks. So we got very, very nervous that when he came back, he'd have to quarantine for two weeks or I would go into labour and he'd have to come back and quarantine for two weeks. And we were like, do we lie? Do we just not quarantine? Does he just not go? And in the end, we decided he just wasn't going to go. He was going to do remote work from the UK and they were going to send somebody else. And it was very fortunate that we did that because Hazel came five weeks early. And if we hadn't have done that, he would have been in Italy when I went into labour. He would have had to quarantine for two weeks when we got back. And it just would have been an absolute disaster, really. Like, I couldn't imagine. I just can't even imagine that because it's already, like, a lot to deal with. The fact that, you know, we're living in this pandemic. It was all so uncertain throughout your pregnancy. And then, you know, Boris cancelled Christmas and we went back into that big lockdown, which in a way was almost the worst one because it felt like it was never going to end. And then to also have this added stress of not knowing whether your husband's job was going to kind of allow him to be with you. Yeah, so we ended up moving back in with his parents just so that I could have somebody there and then we'd have our little kind of bubble. And so when he was in Italy, I'd be at least have his parents to kind of support me or take me to appointments or be there if I needed. And then thankfully he didn't end up going to Italy, like I said, because he would have he would have just missed the entire labour. But it was very, very stressful. And then going into labour five weeks early was also just kind of... It was like a, well, not something that you expect to happen. And it got kind of very brushed off almost because I was on the phone with the um, with the hospital the night before saying I was having contractions and they were telling me, oh, it's nothing. She's too early. It's 
it's just Braxton Hicks, it's nothing. And I called again in the next morning and they told me to come in, kind of like, oh, pack your bags, come in. I'm sure it's nothing. And I got there and they kind of let a bunch of other pe- people that were clearly full term in labour go in before me while I'm just sitting kind of on the outside of the hospital contracting by myself. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because Simon wouldn't have been allowed in with you, right? No, they told him. So my mother-in-law actually dropped me off and he stayed at work. And we did well, we didn't know if it was actually happening, what kind of was happening at all. And then when they finally took me in, they put me in kind of a room by myself and left me for a little bit and then came in and checked me and immediately were like, you need to call your husband, you're having this baby today. So from then it kind of sped up and so I was on the phone to Simon and then they were even talking back and forth about because you weren't allowed your partner in the room until you were considered an active labour, which I wasn't. I was only a couple of centimetres, but I was clearly like they'd given me the drugs to try and stop the contractions and nothing was working. And her heart rate was getting a bit distressed from just kind of, I guess, being early. I don't really know. But they talked back and forth about even letting him in until I was further along so I didn't know if I should call him and he should wait outside the hospital or if I should just let him go to work and do his thing and eventually they said I could call him and he could come in so he went home packed a bag came to hospital and then we were just stuck in this very tiny windowless room for the next however long until she finally came along and it was quite an experience I mean I was having fun with it I was enjoying it I like I wanted to enjoy my labor regardless of the situation um so we made quite a lot of kind of fun with it and had an epidural so that always helps takes away the pain of it (laughs) that really does help when you were on your own before Simon had got to hospital with you and you were kind of going through your contractions on your own what was that like for you it wasn't nice I think the worst part was I had no idea what was going on I was under the impression that I'd go up to the birthing suite but I stayed in the central delivery suite And it was just this dark, windowless room. The doors were closed. You couldn't hear what was happening outside. You were in there by yourself. And it was just kind of, it was lonely. And also, I didn't have any way to, like, get in contact with anybody. I couldn't, they'd confine me to the bed, basically, because I had the the monitors on. I couldn't just get up and go and ask for help or go and ask for anything. So it was, I think, yeah, it was quite lonely more than anything else. Just to be in there by yourself, not really knowing what was going on. And not being able to have anyone in there with you or even knowing if they could come in eventually. That word uncertainty is just one that keeps coming up time and time again on this podcast. And it's that feeling of I didn't know what the rules were. I didn't know when he'd be able to come in. I didn't know what was happening around the COVID rules. Because I think obviously nobody knows how their baby is going to be born, how it's all going to pan out. Of course, that's going to be uncertain in some in many respects but I think the added uncertainty around these COVID restrictions and every every midwife and every hospital having their own kind of rules that they just sort of made up felt like they made up as they went along yeah and it seemed to be seemed to be different yeah everywhere and every different floor we went to after we'd had her um, because she was five weeks early they wanted to keep me in for a week and downstairs on the central delivery suite they told me I could go home in 24 hours and once I got upstairs in this point I'd been awake for about three days I was exhausted Simon had been told he had to go home and I spoke to a midwife and I was like I'm really looking forward to going home tomorrow and she laughed at me and told me that I wasn't leaving for at least two weeks and I just broke down in tears and I felt like I was having a panic attack because I just I'm so in love with the little girl next to me 
but also couldn't share it with my husband and had no idea. I've just been told five minutes ago I could go home next day and now I'm being told I had to stay there for two weeks. And the midwife who said that did come and apologise the next day because Hazel was, she said she was doing better than most full-term babies. But they just assumed because she was so early that she would not do well. Therefore, I'd have to stay until I hit that kind of 37-week mark. And thankfully, I didn't. I only had to stay for a week in the end. But it was just, yeah, just the rules that changed on different floors from different doctor to different midwife to everybody telling you a different thing. You could never get a straight answer out of anybody. No, and it's like, do you speak to each other? Do you have staff meetings? Like, is there any emails going out about this that, you know, you could all sort of just be on the same page? I think that would have really helped. And just to make you so upset in that moment, thinking, my God, I'm going to have to stay here for weeks without my partner because I'm I'm not sure what the rules were where you are. But, you know, some people weren't allowed any visitation until they literally left the hospital. When I had my baby in the July 2020, my husband was allowed in in the afternoon for a couple of hours, but it wasn't long enough, you know. And then some people had better visiting hours. What were the visiting hours like for Simon then when you were in for for the week? So I was allowed to leave as much as I wanted. Um, I wasn't allowed to leave with her. So I'd give her basically to the midwives on duty and I could leave. I didn't know this, though, until the Thursday. So I'd been in for almost a week at that point. They didn't tell me I could leave. I just thought I was confined to the four walls of the ward. He was allowed in from 3 till 5 p.m., which was quite tricky because my dinner time that I was allocated was 5 p.m. So if he left at 5 p.m., I couldn't often eat because then Hazel would need feeding or holding or she'd need something And I've never had a baby before. I don't trust myself eating hot food over a nursing baby's head or anything like that. And the midwives were quite good. Some of them did let him stay a little bit longer because we were, well, I was in my own room. And so nobody could kind of see that somebody else was staying in there longer than their visiting rights. And nobody said anything if he snuck out an hour or two later. But for the first couple of days, they were very strict. Three to 5 p.m. He's out. You go get your dinner you figure it out. And when he, those two hours, as I'm sure you know, go by so, so quickly. And by the time you actually get in and you get through security and you put on your scrubs and your mask and your gloves and whatever, then there's half an hour gone already. And then you have to do the same thing on the way back. So you're really only getting like an hour, an hour and a half of their actual time. And I was in very much the mindset that when he came, I just wanted to sleep. I just, I was so exhausted because I'd Well, they were saying because she was so early to feed her every two hours. So I just wouldn't sleep because she'd feed for an hour. And then I was like, I'd change her, put her back into bed half an hour before she's due another feed. So I'm like, okay, I just won't sleep. I'll stay up. But then when he came, I hadn't seen him. So I'd want to stay up and have a conversation with an adult and see my husband. And we just, it was just a very hard battle. And then when we finally got home, it was just kind of, I feel like all the emotions and the adrenaline from being in the hospital and the exhaustion just crash on you and both of us were just kind of like, it was like, I guess it was a nice relief to be home, but at the same time, it was just like, kind of want to be back in the hospital where everything was kind of, people were looking after you and you had kind of, yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Because I feel like you get kind of like institutionalized to the hospital. I, I was the same as you. We stayed in for a while after the baby was born. And um, you're same, you know, the, your husband comes and then 
you want to talk to them and tell them about all the little things the baby's done while in the 22 hours he's been gone and you want to hear you know you want to chat to your husband and catch up but also yeah you need to sleep and do everything else and take a shower and you know all of those things that you need to fit into that two-hour window and then like you say you get home and you've become institutionalized to living in your in your bed basically I don't know about you but I li- just stayed in my bed like 20 hours a day didn't really go anywhere you get sort of used to that life and then when you come home it's a bit overwhelming and I think also it's that chance to think about everything that's happened when you get home and then you start to think oh shit that was not right and that I don't feel good about how that all panned out but at the time you just do it and you just go along with whatever they say the midwives I do have to say the midwives were really good and they'd always come and check on me and sit in there and have conversations if I needed just to talk to somebody but some of the stuff were just getting discharged it kept getting pushed by a day and a day and a day because they didn't have a doctor to come discharge us or their computers were down and they had to do everything manually and I'm like this isn't fair just just let me go home and I think one of the biggest saving graces when I was there is because my mum lives in Canada because of the time difference when I was up at night it was still daytime for her so I could have somebody to talk to in the middle of the night while everybody else was sleeping and I'm up feeding a baby and listening to all the other babies on the ward cry and mothers trying to figure it out by themselves and I kept I kept asking them I was like can he just stay like there's a second bed in my room and they always responded with if you'd had twins he could stay I'm like well that what a stupid answer (laughs) what a stupid thing to say well I didn't have twins do you want do you want to just yeah do you want to just check make sure there's not another (laughs) one in there can we pretend I've had like <laughs> that answer doesn't doesn't make me feel any better in the slightest. Not at all. It's interesting to hear that your mum's in Canada. So I bet that was a really difficult thing to deal with as well, thinking when is my mum gonna get to meet this baby? When am I gonna either get to take the baby or when's mum gonna be able to get to me? Because we also have family that live, you know, in Guernsey, which is not as far away as Canada, but had very strict rules about coming in and out of the island. So I really do sympathize with that. What was that? that part of it all like for you at first when we found out we were pregnant obviously we were out of that lockdown and we she said she was going to the second I went into labor text her she'd be on the next flight over obviously that changed a bit once we went back into lockdown she now needed a 14 day quarantine but we were still kind of under the impression I'd text her when we were in labor or she'd come kind of around my due date and do her quarantine or whatever but she could quarantine with us and it would be okay because she would be there She, however, got diagnosed with ovarian cancer, I'm sure she won't mind me saying this, in January. And the week before Hazel's birth had a full hysterectomy, and so was deemed unable to travel for a year. And so at this point, it was, I mean, I think it was, it was definitely hard on both of us, but more for her, because I have my mother-in-law here, so I did have that bit of support. It's not the same as my mum, but I still had that support, and my mother-in-law and I get on very very well but my mum there's nothing she could do we couldn't go to her she couldn't come to us she was just kind of stuck on the other side of the world it took six months before we were able to get her there as soon as Hazel as soon as we got Hazel home I think she was five weeks old when we got her passport just because we wanted that opportunity as soon as flights open again we could get over there and it wasn't until October that we were finally able to travel without having to quarantine on either side. Because, you, well, you're also not going to pay that much money to for a two-week holiday to quarantine the entire time. I mean, it was lovely having... It, yeah, it was lovely having my mum 
over there in a sense because I had the conversation every night when I was up feeding. I could cry on the phone saying, I'd like, how do I do this? How do I how do I not sleep for the next however long? But it was also really hard not having her physically there with me and she's missing out on her first grandchild. However old you are, whether you're a mum yourself, you just want your own mum. And that is just oh God, I keep crying on these podcasts. I've something wrong with me. Um it's just really hard to listen to because like you say, I mean, that's just really bad timing, isn't it? That your mum wasn't well and then unable to get here. And then the fact that you just had to wait months to, to get over there to see her, it must have just been so hard. And just that constant, for us at least, it was this constant, it, it, it's hard to explain, but it almost consumed us, like checking the rules, checking the regulations. Do we still have to quarantine? Should we go to Guernsey? You know, should we just do the quarantine? And actually, we did end up doing the two week quarantine, and it, it was really, really hard with a three month old. Um, so I'm guessing those same feelings were there for you too. So I feel like I really relate to that part of it. Yeah, having to check every single day and to see what the rules were and that they could change at any moment. Even when we booked our flight, there was still a chance that we could go back into another lockdown, that our flights could get cancelled, that we could have to quarantine over there. What if we tested positive, then we could no longer go? What if they tested positive, then we, again, we can no longer go. We don't want the risk of getting stuck out there. More from my husband's point of view, because he can't just up and leave his job for a month or two months or whatever you need for quarantining either sides and getting sick yourself. And so it's just so, so stressful. But then we finally got there and it was fine. I think we'd been there about two days and they'd made an announcement that they were going back into lockdown over there. And thankfully they didn't. They It was about, I think, two days after we'd left that they went back into another lockdown. Oh, such good timing that you made it over. God, what a relief. What was it like when Hazel first met your mum, met her granny? Emotional, very emotional. There was a, my brother and sister came to the airport as well um, and my mum's partner and we just, we everyone was crying and... I mean, Hazel, six months old, she's no longer a newborn. She's like a little girl with emotions and was moving around and trying to crawl. And so, yeah, I think it was quite nice. I mean, everyone loves holding the newborn stage, but I think it was quite nice for my mum to have like an actual human that almost interacts back with you instead of just lying there and staring into nothing. Yeah, and they're awake a bit more, aren't they? There's a bit more to them. They're not just sleeping for like 22 hours a day or whatever. No, that's so lovely. Yeah, and she smiles and reacts and they got to spend, I think Simon and I and a couple of my friends, because I used to live out there, we went out for the day. So my mum got to kind of look after her for the day, which was really nice. And I think it was basically as soon as we left, everyone was back in tears and it was, all right, when are we going to see each other again? Let's book the next next flight and we'll never see each other enough but at this point you take what you can get and especially with the world and the way that it still is even two years forward we're still kind of having to question some things before we do them. When you look back at everything and you know your experience in hospital and having to stay on your own with those limited visiting hours how much of a difference do you think it would have made to everything if you could have had Simon there with you? Uh, so like a world of difference I think the first couple weeks of her life would have been so much different for both of us because he Simon never got a proper paternity leave he was still kind of working during that first week but he was also wanted to come into the hospital so he couldn't do a full day's work so they were counting that as like a week off 
there was so much that he needed to do that he was being asked to come back sooner than really either of us wanted. So we never got that chance to kind of settle into as a family by the time we got home. We had the weekend and a couple of days later he was back at work. But I feel like if he'd been allowed to stay in the hospital with me, we would have been able to really connect as like a family of three, not just a family of two. And he would have got to spend so much more time than he did with Hazel. And I mean, everyone always says, oh, I'm like, I'm sorry that you're in hospital. But I felt more bad for him because I'm with I'm with my baby. I have her. She's right there 24-7. He's lost now his wife and his daughter for 22 hours a day you can facetime all you want but it's not the same he's exhausted as well because he's up worrying doesn't know what's happening am I going to go home tomorrow is it going to be the next day and so I think if he was there and we would have been able to just share the share the experience he'd been able to help me out he could have showered while I was looking after her I could have showered we could have eaten like proper meals because we're not worrying like somebody can hold the other baby even though I was breastfeeding if we could have I don't know just having the support in the middle of the night while I'm crying and struggling with painful nipples and engorged boobs and just the whole shabam just having him there would have just been I'd like I really hope when slash if we have another one and we have to stay in hospital that he can be there because I don't think I could do it again it was just it was a lot I know it really is and there's just no way to describe it unless you've been through it I just don't think you can describe it. And it's so true what you say about thinking about the partners and the dads or whoever the other partner is who was at home just sitting there without being able to do anything and just helpless, I suppose, in a way. And I'd really love to get some dads on the podcast because that is such an important aspect to to think and to talk about because, yeah, we do always talk about the, the mums and, and the women here in hospital, but of course, the partner who was left at home, it was really hard for them as well. And I think that sense of helplessness that they felt not being able to do anything and watching your partner having to struggle on their own yeah that's also a lot to deal with yeah it was just can't yeah even now I've, I've been through it it's still really hard to explain kind of how you feel because it's just such a experience that very few people are ever going to go through other than kind of our couple years of pe- mums with lockdown babies not many people are ever going to have to go through it so it's very hard to kind of explain it in a way that people will understand and there was there was one night the midwives actually took her from me for the night so I could get some sleep because I'd just been up for well I think I was up from the Wednesday the 24th probably gotten about say 20 hours of sleep in about a week and a bit and they were like this is ridiculous like but that would have been different if I'd had Simon there with me when you you said if if we have another baby do you think this experience has made you think twice about whether you're ready to have another baby because I, that's certainly true for me and I know it's true for some of the other mums that I've spoken to as well and it seems to be you know and even just like in mum friend circles people are saying I'm just not ready I, like you said I just don't know if I could do that again. Yes we were originally very kind of adamant that in June of this year we were going to start trying again and you never know Hazel for us happened very very easily she was actually <laughs> I actually got pregnant while I had the coil in. So she was, we were planning on trying that later that year, but it kind of happened anyway. But who who knows how easily it could happen. So we were planning on trying again this June, but now it's just slowly getting pushed kind of a month and a month and a month because we're still quite in those uncertain times. I don't want to have to go to every appointment alone. I don't want to 
Like when we did the gender reveal scan, I had to get them to write it down on a piece of paper so we could open it alone together in the car because he wasn't allowed in. He was allowed into the hospital and to sit outside of the room, but not across a piece of wood that is the door into the other side, which didn't make any sense to me. If you're allowing him into the hospital to be physically two feet away from me, but not allowing him in the room. And I was, when they found out the gender and I, I was like, can you just come in? Can you just tell us here? And they were like, no, sorry, you can't come in the room. I'm like, what? he's right, he's right there. <laughs> oh, and that was like the most infuriating thing for me. I was like, he is right there. Just shout it, shout it loudly so he can hear it. That's just, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? It just doesn't make any sense. When I was in labor, I was on my own for about six hours in this room. And my husband was sitting on the floor in the hospital just sitting in a corridor on the floor, walking past everybody, breathing all over everybody. And I'm just, what is happening? I'm on my own having some kind of breakdown over here where he's just sitting on the floor outside in the corridor of the hospital. It just made no sense. You know, I wasn't the only one. Also ridiculous things were happening everywhere else as well. And so I, I, yeah, I don't want to experience that again. We do really, really want another one and we want a close age gap, but I don't want to do the whole... It's even like the end part. You don't know what's going to happen nine months from now or nine months from June or whatever. I don't want to have to question whether or not I'm going to have to be in the hospital by myself, doing all these things by myself. I want to know for sure that even if a few of the appointments are by myself, that the scans and by the end of my pregnancy, when I go into labour and I have the baby, that he can be there the entire time. No question. There's no restrictions on visiting hours. I can have Hazel come in and visit me without it being a palaver. I think that's, yeah, that's, I've never even really thought of it, but I definitely think that is something that's stopping me from keeping it at our original planned date. Yeah, same, same here. Mine was like, I'll have two, two years apart. That ship has long sailed because I'd have to be way pregnant by now. And the thought of that just terrifies me. The thought of being pregnant again, and having to potentially be alone again, I just, yeah, just don't feel I can do that right now. And and it's so sad because um, you think, you know, like you say, you want them close in age and it's just, yeah, getting further and further. And it's just not the life that you planned or the, the sort of family dynamic that you planned. But we're all having to alter, alter our plans. Yes. And it's, it's not changing how much we love our kids or how much that we can do with them. Obviously, everything's a little bit different in things you can do. You have to can't just show up anywhere anymore. You have to sign into classes and play groups and whatever, but I'm making it work. I just don't want to have to make it work again the next time. I want to be able to do it the way it's been done for many, many, many years before this. It's totally fair enough. Um, you'll know this question is coming because I've asked it to everybody, but if you could speak to our prime minister, policymakers, the people who made the rules and decided that that was the way it would be, what would you say to them? I'd really just ask him or tell him or them to talk to some people other than their inner circle of power about how it's going to affect them. Because I feel like every decision they made was based on what how it would affect them. And they didn't really think of how, I mean, talk to people who are experiencing, talk to people who are going through it. Even if they are having the communication with the NHS and they're saying that the NHS is overloaded and they need more help. Well, then talk to the people in the NHS about how the people that they are treating are feeling. <laughs> There's always a way around it. And it doesn't even have to be about 
us about pregnant women about mothers it can has just any group of people that's getting affected talk to somebody from that group to see how you could do better because it's always a way that they could have done better absolutely i really hope that lessons will have been learned and that should we god forbid find ourselves in another lockdown another pandemic another you know awful situation i really do hope that lessons have been learned but sadly i i don't know if i don't know if they have if i'm honest i don't know we'll never know but i know that some research was commissioned by a charity and it was looking at the financial impacts of pregnant women not being able to have their partners with them. And it's been huge because now lots of money is being spent on therapy, therapy for PTSD, postnatal anxiety, postnatal depression, which has skyrocketed because of the fact that, you know, we were on our own. And, you know, you just think, well, all that could have been avoided if partners had just been allowed in. Even partners being allowed in. But I don't know about you, but I never went to any birthing classes, any preparation groups, but then you get to the hospital and they expect you to know all of these things and what are your birth plans and what are this, that and the other and how to take care of a baby and you can only YouTube so much. So I didn't know any other mums, like to be mums, I'd never met anybody that was pregnant and so I feel like that created like another pocket of loneliness as well. I had to reach out on our kind of community Facebook group saying, hi, I'm a mum got a baby I know nobody (laughs) anyone else and a few people did reach out and say yep I've also just had a baby I also know nobody and let's be friends kind of thing and even just yeah being able to have a your partners in the hospital and being able to have access to these groups not via zoom that you have to pay extortionate amounts of money for that we don't have (laughs) for myself I was self-employed but not long enough to qualify for anything So I just haven't been paid in years. And so it's just, you can't, yeah, you just can't afford these things and it gets taken away from you, but it makes such a big impact. And I just, I'm very curious about if if we do have another baby and I can go to all of these classes and all of these things, how much of a difference it will make for my labor and upbringing of said child. Yeah, I think I'm very fortunate that that, when Hazel was born, we were, well, the first couple of weeks you don't do anything anyway, but by kind of May, I think it was May 17th, that first, right, you were allowed to go back to restaurants and things were starting to open up again. And she was kind of that age now, okay, I can take you out, I can do something with you. And I I honestly, I mean, we all had COVID in January and got stuck inside. Like it was hard enough being pregnant, being stuck inside, let alone having a newborn or a nine-month-old or all of the months between that being stuck inside not being able to go to classes not being able to do anything it's just it's wild I think I'd lost my mind at one point and I was just like I hate this I hate this I hate being off I hate maternity leave but I didn't hate maternity leave I hated not being able to do anything not being able to leave the house so yeah no just just really tricky times for all of us and it's just so interesting to hear your story because you know Hazel was born a year after everything first happened, but you were still so profoundly impacted by it. And I think that's why it's so powerful. And it's so important to share your story because of that. And do you know what, even today, we're not back to normal. I spoke to a charity, maybe a week or two ago, and they were still lobbying hospitals to change their, their rules and, and open up the visiting hours still you know what, but you can go to Wembley and watch a football match with 100,000 people, but they were still lobbying hospitals. It's yeah, it's ridiculous. And One thing also is when you're in labour, when you're having your baby, 
the time of day you have your baby matters too because if you have your baby in the morning then basically as soon as it's been delivered see you later partner off you go you can leave now they don't give you any allowance to just sit stay and enjoy your family for a little bit it's like okay go away come back when the visiting hours are and I know well a couple of the podcasts I've listened to of yours people are having them kind of in the middle of the night and then their parents or their husbands disappear and then come back the next day which is just ridiculous yeah yeah it's truly truly awful but I'm so grateful for for people like you for coming on and sharing your stories because they're really helping people so thank you so much how are you all now by the way I do just want to ask how you're all doing and how it's all going and how's Hazel and how are you she's great she's wonderful I love her she just gets well I'm sure you remember she's just turned 13 months so she's kind of very expressionful and very so independent now I'm like where did my little baby go she doesn't want to be fed by anyone but herself she doesn't often doesn't want to play with anybody just wants to play by herself but yeah we're good I there's honestly some days where I wonder if like I just feel really really low and I don't know if you can get like postnatal depression a year after you have a baby or if it's just kind of things still kind of feel lonely sometimes because we didn't have that group but for the most part we're all doing very very well and very very happy and just glad that we have a gorgeous little girl that we can live with and celebrate life with and she is so wonderful regardless of the circumstances that she was born in so I think it's just about appreciating the good things that we have instead of focusing on the hardships of it which is very very hard to do a huge thank you to natasha for sharing her story and of course thanks to you for listening and for all your support for this podcast also i was lucky enough to be invited onto the mother of all solutions podcast to chat to the lovely laura about lockdown babies i also share a bit more about my own personal journey of having a lockdown baby and some of the challenges that i faced mother of all solutions shares stories from mums navigating their return to work which is something i know lots of you my listeners will be grappling with at the moment so if you do fancy giving it a listen i've linked my episode in the show notes please do also take a second to rate and review the podcast as it really helps new people find us and as always if you want to get in touch with me just search lockdown babies podcast on instagram and i'll always reply i'll be back next wednesday with a brand new episode bye bye for now